When your moment comes, will you be ready? Or maybe your moment's already come and gone and you figured out, I wasn't ready. There are those situations in our lives um, where, whether we like it or not, we're pushed into into readiness, into something, into into a relationship, into a job, into a, into situations that we wonder if we've been well prepared for. And here, in Joshua chapter twenty-four, the final chapter, as we look today to wrap up this study, lessons on leadership, we see Joshua saying, "You're ready. You're ready to take this. You're ready to." For me to hand the, hand the mantle, the mantra over to you to say you're on your own. Now, up to this point, the nation of Israel had had strong leadership in Moses and in Joshua, very influential leadership, spiritual leadership, tactical leadership. And here he was handing it off to the leaders of these 12 tribes to say, it's on you. Sink or swim, success or failure is in your hands. And so he's wondering... Uh, if, if they're ready to do that, I think, he, I think he has a good idea. Let's read this passage together. In fact, in verses 1 through 13, <clears throat> he prepares them for this by saying, look at what's already happened. Verse, verse 13, verse of chapter 24 is Joshua saying, and he, he doesn't go all the way back now to, to Egypt. He goes all the way back to Abraham to say, here's God's promise to Abraham, and here's what happened. Here's what happened in Egypt. Here's what's happened along the way. Here's the Red Sea. Here's the Jordan. Here's the, here's the Amorites that you've conquered. Here's all these nations you've conquered. You've been outnumbered in some cases, 10,000 and 1,000 to 1. And you've won. God's hand has been all over you. You've, you've, you've won at every hand. At every turn, you've seen God ahead of you and on you and with you. And he reminds them of all that track record in verses 1 to 13. So we pick up in verse 14 together. <clears throat> now fear the Lord. And serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers, worship and beyond the river in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord and to serve other gods. <clears throat> it was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will forgive your rebellion." He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, uh, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Now, they're they're saying, we're choosing to follow him. And in doing so, we're true followers, not only of your leadership and of your challenge, but of God. Let's see what we can glean here from this passage. True followers, first of all, hear the leader's challenge. Look at verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, And choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me 
and my household. We will serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves, Joshua says, whom you'll serve. In essence, to say, it's time you made a choice. I've already made mine. What are you going to choose? I'm, I'm laying this in your hands, laying this in your lap. He's saying, in essence, you can no longer piggyback on my faith. And I would, I would, I would lay this as a challenge to us this morning. If you're still, if you've been a Christian 10, 15, 20, 40, 50 years, and you're still piggybacking on the faith of your parents, or you're still piggybacking on the faith of your pastor, or you're still piggybacking on the faith of your spouse, it's time you owned it. It's time you owned your own faith. It says, my relationship to God is mine. The success or failure in it is up to me. <clears throat> and I see this as my means to God's end for me. It's time I own my own relationship and choose for myself. This is my own, my own faith, my own challenge, my own walk, my own road. And so if, if, if we're riding coattails and we're piggybacking, it's time we, we sever that and, 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 and made, a, made a, a clean break ourselves. A good parent or a good leader will prepare their offspring to, to, to get along without them. Um, this coming Saturday, I'll be marrying off my last daughter. Actually, she's my first daughter. I married my last daughter first and my first daughter last. <clears throat> but I'll be marrying her off. And both of their spouses or fiancés came to me to ask permission to, to marry them. And we had a good long talk about that in both, both instances. And, uh, but I warned them, both of them. I said, now, we've raised both of these girls to be independent thinkers, to, to be self-starters, to initiate for themselves and, and not to, to be a wet noodle in life, realizing that life is, is, is hard sometimes. And you, you bootstrap your own self and you depend on the Lord and you keep moving, you keep walking. So we've developed in them a sense of independence. And I warned both of them to say, if you don't lead, she will. And if she does, you'll probably never get it back again. So you better lead. You better be ready to lead. Are you ready to step in and lead? Are you ready to make decisions? Are you ready to be decisive? It's not that you're a dictator. Nobody wants that. But if you're not ready to lead, I guarantee you she'll step up and do it. Because there's this independent mindset. Now, there's, there's blessing and curse in doing that. Because the, the, the blessing is things get done. The curse is we start to squabble over who, who, gets, who gets it done. And the beauty here in this message that Josh was saying to them is, I've already, I've already made that decision. And now I'm handing it to you for your own independence, your own isolated decision to say, who will you choose? Who will you serve? Who will you bow down to? Who are you going to acknowledge as God? I've made that decision for myself, and I've tried to influence you the best I can. Now it's on you, Joshua was saying. It's all on you. So if you've never heard that challenge before now, I want to give it to you this morning. Your faith is yours. It's not your spouse's. Not your mom and dad's. I love my mom and dad's influence in my life. It, it, it continues to influence me every day. But my faith is my own. And in fact, beyond my own, it's a part of yours. I'm going to stand before God one day and answer for what I've told you, what I've said to you from this book to your ears and to your hearts. There's accountability there. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But your faith is your own. When you're standing before him, don't look around for help. You'll be there by yourself. Are you comfortable with that? Are you ready for that? Joshua thinks they are. He tells that here in just a moment. We'll see that in just a moment. Not only do true followers hear the leader's challenge, but they heed, secondly, the leader's challenge. Look at verses 16 to 18 with me. <clears throat> then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord and serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt. They're telling this story again that Joshua has told them in verses 1 through 13. Brought us out, out of Egypt. He performed these great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. 
And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Far be it from us, they say, to forsake the Lord. Now, since the last thing we want, Joshua, is to forsake the same God you've known and you serve and you've modeled in front of us. Now, <clears throat> this is a... <clears throat> Sorry about that, but it needed to be done. <clears throat> um, this is a pivotal moment that the nation of Israel is dealing with because the mantle is being passed to them. And all that he's imparted to them is he's laying it on their shoulders to say, you own it now. And not only, not only hear me, but heed me. And here's what they say. Here's the response. We're ready. We're ready. Far be it from us to forsake your God because your God is our God and we're ready to follow him. Ready to follow your example, ready to follow your leadership, and are ready to follow him. Now, notice that they reinforce their response by recounting what he's already told them. Here's what God's done, Joshua. He's brought us out of Egypt, out of slavery. He's crossed the Red Sea with us. He's delivered us. He's given us manna. He's crossed the Jordan with us. He's defeated all of our, our, our enemies. In fact, the Amorites that they fought, we saw that just after they crossed the Jordan, just after the battle of Jericho, they fought... <clears throat> conquered Jericho, <clears throat> going to the land of the Amorites, who outnumbered them 5,000 to one, and defeat them, annihilate them, every one of them. And so they tell this story back to Joshua. We too serve that God because we've seen the same things you've seen. We've experienced the same things you've experienced. We've known the same God you've known, and he's ours, and we own him as well. So far be it from us, they say, to forsake the Lord. And so these markers that they're pointing out, we talked about markers in week four of this study. Go back and listen to it if you missed it on the web, but they're they're, they're bringing these markers into play again to say, here's what God's done. Here's what he's done. Here's what he's done. He showed up here and he showed up here. And there's these if then moments. If God has shown up here, then he'll show up again. If he's done this, then he can tackle this. If he's big enough for that, he's big enough for this. If he was good enough for that day, he's good enough for today. And these if then moments are what markers are about. They're, They're for us to say, God has shown up here. He's shown up here. Here's the significance of his presence here, his power here, his, his omnipotence here. Here is God. And if God is in that, then God can be in this. If God is with you, then he can be with us. So <clears throat> it's far easier to step out of the shelter of that when we have our own markers. When all of our stories are our parents' stories or our spouse's stories, it's, it's, it's much harder for us to see God at work. But when those markers become our own, out of our own faith and our own experience and our own trial and our own error, when those markers become ours, it's far easier for us to see, there's God, there's God, here he is again, here he is again. And so as we see him, it strengthens our faith, strengthens our journey. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, the enemy wants you to forget that. In fact, he'll cloud your mind with, that wasn't God. I mean, it, was just, it just happened to work out that way. That was just fate. That was just happenstance. That wasn't really God. Or here in this situation, that was with the help of them, with the help of their advice and their counsel. So they get the credit, not God in this moment. And he'll he'll bring us back to and regurgitate over and over again. Listen, that wasn't really God. That was this. This was just bad sushi, or this was bad. That wasn't God. He 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 shows up in miraculous ways, and he never works any miracles in your life. That that was just circumstance and fate. When we start to have our own markers, though, when we can start to be assured of that. They start to be more meaningful for us. So now I challenge you to do this. If you have trouble remembering them, 
Ask the Holy Spirit to bring them back to your mind. And when he does, use those two or three or four blank pages in the front of your Bible or the back of your Bible to write them down. I mean, that's what those blank pages are for, is for you to put my own spiritual markers. God showed up, started salvation. God showed up here and saved me, miraculously saved me, died on the cross for my sin. And then begin to think through the things that God has delivered you in places he's shown up and things he's done in your life to say, I'm here, I'm there, I'm there. And that creates an if-then track record for you to say, if God's shown up here, then he'll show up here. When you need to be reminded of that again, you go back to those blank pages in your Bible and say, here he is, here he is. He's shown up here and here and here and here. Because the enemy wants you to forget that. God doesn't. And so I, w- I want to challenge you today to, to begin to do that. Heed here and heed the leader's challenge. Thirdly, is accept the leader's challenge. Look with me at verse 19. Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He'll not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he'll turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he's been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, watch this. The people said to Joshua, no. No, we'll serve the Lord. We're going to serve. They accept the leader's challenge. Notice that Joshua uses reverse psychology on them here in verse 19 to say, you guys can't do this. He says, you're not, you're not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. Challenging them, challenging their readiness. He, he's, he's convinced that they are ready or he wouldn't bring them to this place. But he's challenging their readiness and they, they accept, no. No, we're going to serve God. Whether you think we're ready or not, we realize this is the day for us to step up and take the responsibility that our relationship with him is ours. It's no longer yours. And we're here to tell you we're going to serve him in this. We're going to accept this challenge. Now, he knew they were ready. He just wanted them to hear themselves saying it. We do that the same thing as parents do with their kids. We issue challenges. I don't think you can eat all those green beans on your plate. I don't think I don't think you can eat every pea on every bite of your I'll show you. And we accept the challenge. Why? Because we don't want to lose. Same story here. He says, I don't think you can do this. And they say, you want, you want to see? You want to watch this? No, we're going to serve the same God. And they accept this challenge and they're ready to move on. And so this, this, this reverse psychology works because it helps them drive a stake further in the ground. Yes, my God can be trusted. We're going to serve him. Yes, you'll not talk us out of this. You'll not challenge us out of this or scare us or intimidate us from serving God. We've seen him, seen his evidence, and we're going to serve him. Now, you can't do this to an immature follower, an immature believer. You can't do this to a three-year-old kid. They'll run, and they'll run fast and as far as they can. He knew they, was ready. they were ready and were mature enough to deal with this challenge, and that's why he gives it to them. They've seen enough. They've walked in enough, in enough places. They've seen enough evidence that here's God, there's God, only God there, only God here, only God in this. And they've seen enough evidence day after day, year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation to say God is all, all over us. He's got us. He's always had us, and he's got this. And so an immature person, an immature follower will turn and run at that. He knew their maturity was at the level. It's a great lesson for us is to not issue a, not issue a lot for the challenge to somebody that's too, too immature to handle it. They'll, they'll fold. But when you've seen enough of evidence in your life and in their life, they can, walk, they can weather the storm. Challenge them. Challenge your kids. Challenge the people you have influence over. Challenge the people in your life that, that have brought to bear some spiritual goodness in you. Challenge that back and forth. That's... that's that's why our iron should sharpen iron in Scripture. Is that, that mutual challenge that we issue for the people is, is good for us and good for them. Challenge is a good thing. We don't have enough of it, honestly, in our world. It's, we, we, spiritually, at least, in the spiritual realm. But a mature follower will get it. They'll push back, and they'll follow, and they'll, they'll, they'll accept the challenge. Now, this was, <clears throat> in essence, more or less graduation day for the nation of Israel because, as I, as I said earlier, they had great, strong influence in Moses 
extremely strong influence in Joshua. And now they're on their own. And as much fear and trepidation as there may be in their mind, their heart's saying, we got this because we've seen God already. And we're going to walk. We're not going to abandon God now because we've seen how far he's taken us. Now, <clears throat> why are these situations so important? Why are these, these types of encounters in life, these, these, these put-up-or-shut-up moments in life, why are they so vitally important? They're to create a reference point. <clears throat> Get this. They're to create a reference point so we can see the difference in life between what we feel and what we know what we feel about him, what we know about him. Why? Because there's situations in your life and in mine where I don't feel saved sometimes. Do you? There's situations that I've encountered in my, in my life and in my world where I don't feel like I belong to God. I don't feel like a pastor. I don't feel like I'm, I'm one of his, but I know I am. Why? Because his word says that. So the difference between what I feel and what I know is drastic because I interject myself in that moment to say, God's shown up in me. And I know he's in me. I know he's living in me. I know he's promising his word to do that. So we can't go through life making decisions about our, our faith, making decisions about whether God can be trusted, making decisions about whether God is in this or not based on how we feel about it. We go through life making those decisions based on what we know about him. And that's exactly what they're doing here. They're saying, no, you can't push us back out of the relationship with God. We know him. We've seen him. We've seen his evidence. We're going to continue to walk with him. And this is a, this is a moment, another marker that they can right in front of their Bible, <clears throat> to say to say we're with him. We're hanging with him. Success or failure, we're, we're, we, are, we are in his camp, and we're not leaving. We're, this is, we're driving a stake in the ground here. And so they, they accept this challenge. Why? Because there's going to be situations that come up in the future where they don't feel like it. They don't feel God around them. They don't feel Joshua's influence anymore. And regardless of how they feel, what they know keeps them moving. What they know keeps them saying, I can't see God, but I know he's there. I can't feel him, but I know he's real. Why? Because his word says so. And I've seen him over and over and over and over again come through on the basis of his word. You have too. So the difference between what we feel and what we know, we interject these moments where there's another marker. God's shown up here. He's shown up here. And we accept that challenge that the leader lays down. Fourthly, not only do true followers hear the leader's challenge, heed the leader's challenge and accept the leader's challenge. But fourthly, true followers live the leader's challenge. Look at verse 22. Then Joshua said, your witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, is their, is their response. Your witnesses? Yes, we're witnesses. Joshua is basically challenging them to be accountable to each other. Now, nobody runs looking for accountability in their life, but every one of us need it. Why? Because we get in moments where we need to be challenged. We get in moments where we, say, we need to hear from someone else, hey, you said this. You said this was important to you. Or you said you believe that. Or you told me this about them or about her. Is that still true? If that's still true, then let's walk in this way. Let's keep on the road we're heading. We each need accountability. Accountability is where the rubber meets the road in most of our lives. And as I said, none of us go looking for it. But each of us should see it as a need and as an essential. It reveals whether we're serious about living truth or just talking about it. Whether we, whether we believe in Jesus or whether we're living him in our conversation, in our decisions, in our work, in our marriage whether we're living that faith out day after day after day. There's a difference in believing something about it. There's a difference in it being theory and a difference in it being practice. And he's saying here, you've got to live it. This needs to, not only do you need to believe this, you need to own it. It needs to start to come out of the cracks of your conversation. It needs to seem, start to be seen in your decisions and how you process things and how you, how you deal with others. Um, 
If your faith is just something you believe, it's awful thin veneer. It's something we put into practice. It starts to be real to us, and the, and the markers start to happen like crazy. And we start to be, yeah, there's a God again. Here's a failure that God's redeemed. There's a conversation. I thought nothing could ever come of that, and here's what God's done with that. Here's a relationship he brought into my life that I never saw coming. He was all over that. We start to see those markers. They start to pile up in a, in a more significant and, and, and faster way when we live the leader's challenge. So if that's true about us, there's evidence. So here's my question. Is there evidence in your life? Is there evidence that you're living that? Not just believe it. Not just know some songs, know some verses. I'm connected to Cross Point Church. Is there evidence in your life, in the lives of others around you? That's where the evidence should lie. Is there evidence in the lives of others around you that you live this? That is true of you, not just in theory, but it's true of you in, in, in the way you process decisions and how you handle marriage and how you handle money and how you deal with relationships and conversations with other folks. Do I live that? Is it seen? Is, it, is, is there enough evidence to put me away for belonging to him? And there needs to be, that needs to be there. So is that evidence with you today? Those are, those are questions that only accountability, accountability can ask. Because there's only quest, those are the only kind of questions that, that a person who's genuinely accountable will say, hey, here's what you said. Here's what you did. Are you still true to that? And if, and if I am, then I need the accountability to say, yeah, I'm blowing it again. It's time I get back on track, back on the path. So the hidden lesson in that is, and we looked at this two weeks ago, the hidden lesson in that is we need each other. We don't do well together or, or by ourselves. We're, we do better together. In fact, as, I, as I've reminded you so many times, Genesis 2 said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not. He doesn't do well on his own. We need each other. We need to walk with each other. We need the challenge of each other. We need the accountability of each other. We need the, the, the companionship of each other. Because here's the truth. The person who, at least in the kingdom, it should be this way. It not always is. But here's, here's, here's the truth that should, should persist in every church. The person that holds you accountable should be the same person who picks you up when you fall. And that's not always the case. Shame on, shame on believers for saying, pointing fingers and judgment to people saying, you know, hope that works out for you. Here's what you said you was going to be. You fall again, get up yourself. Hope that works out for you. Believers are called to hold each other accountable, yet be there to pick each other up when we fall. And we're going to fall. And guess what? The, the accountability person is going to fall too. <laughs> Will the fallen person be there to pick them up too? And that's what accountability looks like. It, it, it didn't, doesn't just look like, here's what you said, here's what you did. It also looks like, can I help you? Let me help pick you up. Let me, let me pray with you. Let me pray for you. Let me walk along. Let me bear some of this burden with you. That's what accountability looks like. And that's what he's challenging them to do is to say, listen, your witness is against yourselves at this. But you're going to be true to it. You're going to camp out here. You're going to drive a stake in the ground. Yeah, we're witnesses. We'll accept it. We'll hold each other accountable. We'll pick each other up. We'll realize that our, our, our greatest asset is each other as we walk to, to, to please and honor and bring glory to the name of Jehovah. We're together in this. So, as I said, in the kingdom, that needs to look like the accountable one is the one who picks the other one up. Are we that kind of person? Do we have those kinds of people in our lives? It's a little scary to let them in that far. We need them, and our, we're, we're the better for it when we allow them in. So a couple of observations here, and we're going to wrap up. There are several put-up-or-shut-up situations that occur in your life, in every life. Uh, one of the earlier ones is kindergarten. Kindergarten is a put-up-or-shut-up moment. It's a moment where parents, like Joshua, say, believe you're ready for this. And about every kid that goes to kindergarten, well, some, not, not all, but some, I'm not ready. And then, you know, as you drop them off and just kick them out the door. 
And they were like, oh, we're not ready. I don't feel ready. But sometimes after the first day, you're ready to go back. Yeah, we played such and such. And, I, and you, you realize, I'm ready for kindergarten. It's a put up or shut up moment. It is, it is one of those moments where uh, you, you find out the things about yourself and about your kids that you didn't know beforehand. That, that, that a put up or shut up situation would only reveal. College is probably the next one. Whether a kid goes off to college or whether they go here to college or whether they're living in a dorm or even some some cases whether they're living with you, college is, is it's, it's it's a it's a transition point. It's a point that we to, to where a, a young adult can say, "I got this. I can do this. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fail, but it's time. I, it's time I start to make my own way." Parenting or, or marriage is another uh, another put up or shut up moment where, like it or not. We got a rent, we got a mortgage, we got utilities. The groceries are on me now instead of mom and dad. The, you know, it, it's a lot of put up or shut up decisions when marriage starts to happen, and you realize, I don't know if I bargained for all of this or not. I don't know if I'm ready for all this or not. Parenting is another one. Looking in the, into the face in that delivery room of that little kid, it's all joy in the delivery room. When you bring them home, and you cross the threshold to your front door, it's those moments that we go. What have I got myself into now? Because now I'm responsible to teach them and clothe them and feed them and, and discipline them. And, and, and I don't know how to do all of this. And th- that's another put up a shut up moment to where we tr- start to realize, am I ready for this? Is this, has this just been thrust upon me or am I ready for this? And we ask ourselves those questions. And so there are several of those in our life, but there, there are also several of those in faith. There's put up or shut up moments in faith, salvation being the first. And as I said, as you hopefully in the front of your Bible will start to write down some of those markers in your life to say, here's where God showed up and here's where he showed up and here's where he showed up. And that was a put up or shut up moment. So was this, so was that. And God was all over those. And in fact, he brought them into my life. In some cases, it looked like turmoil. In some cases, it looked like a deep valley or it looked like hurt or it looked like loss or it looked like pain or it looked like cancer. It looked like, and he allowed this to, to come into my life and into my world as a put up or shut up moment to see, am I going to trust him? Am I going to bail? Am I going to continue to give him glory in the middle of a hard place? Or is this just the best I can do with it? You know, I try and make the best of, as, 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 as good as I can out of this situation. Have we handled those moments? Have we, what's the track record? Because let me tell you this, and this is true in every situation. And we've talked a lot here and I've taught you a lot about storms and valleys and hard places and adversity and, 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 and addiction and pain. And we've talked about that being a part of life. And here's the deal. Here's what I want you to get. Storms are about stories. Always. Every time. Every storm that happens in your life is about an opportunity for you to say, here's what God did. Here's what I learned from it. Or sometimes in the middle of the storm, here's what God's in. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm walking with him. I don't know what the outcome yet, but I'm trusting him. Sometimes the story's in the middle of the storm to say, I don't have it, but I'm walking with him, and he's got it, and I trust him because I've trusted him before, and he's shown up before. Or it's at the end of the story to say, that was five years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago in my life, and here's what God did. Here's what he taught me out of that. Storms are about stories every time. There's not a storm that happens in your life that God didn't intend you to tell that story to someone else, for them to glean some eternal good out of your, your, your hardship, your failure, maybe. Storms are about stories. Carrie Underwood has a song, Jesus Take the Wheel. And 
But that's kind of what this story, this passage in, in Joshua 24 is about. Uh, when hard times come, when, when those situations occur, when adversity strikes, most of us, that's what we want to happen. I can't handle this. You take the wheel. And sometimes I hear God saying in those situations to us, I got you. I'm right here. You keep your hands on the wheel. I'll tell you where to go. You keep your hands. I, I, I took the wheel when you were immature. I took the wheel when you, didn't, when you barely knew me and barely knew that you could trust me. I grabbed the wheel then, and I carried you through this, and I carried you that. You keep your hands on the wheel now. I'm, I'm going to show you where to go. I'm the guide. I'm the, I'm the navigator. I'll tell you where to turn. I'll put the road in front of you, and I'll help you navigate it. But you keep your hands on the wheel. Don't bail. Don't, don't, don't start looking for somebody to hand it to, to point the responsibility. It's yours. Your relationship is yours. It's time you own it, live up to it, and walk in it. It's a hard place sometimes for believers. They were ready. Are we ready for that kind of adventure? Are we ready for those kind of situations to come into our life? 